Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment... Pursuit! Pursuit. A criminal strikes and fades quickly back into the shadows of his own dark world. And then the man from Scotland Yard, the famous Inspector Peter Black, and the dangerous, relentless pursuit. When man hunts man. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Now with John Dana, starred as the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, Wrigley's Spearmint Gum brings you tonight's story, Pursuit of the Man Who Couldn't Go Home. How long has he been there, Mr. Babcock? Over four hours, Inspector. Somebody down in the street saw him, and I I turned in the alarm. Anybody in the room now? Uh, only the chambermaid, sir. The man will talk to her. He swears he'll jump if anyone else tries to get near him. Oh, it, it's a frightful thing for the hotel, Inspector. Frightful. Have you been inside? Oh, no, sir. The divisional inspector tried, sir, but uh, the man nearly jumped. All right. You better stay out here. You're going in, Inspector? Don't worry. I won't let him see me. It was ten o'clock that night when I received the call at my flat. He was registered at the hotel under the name of Ralph Jarrick, and at a little past six o'clock had stepped through the window from his room out onto the ledge seven stories above Oxford Street. When I arrived, the crowds were blocking traffic for three squares, their heads turned upward, and there was a terrible anticipation in every face. The beams of three searchlights converged to pin to the wall the figure of the man above. As I entered the room, I thought of those expectant faces in the street. Aren't you tired, Mr. Jarrett? I know I'd be. You must be awfully brave to stay out there like that. I'm very tired, Nora. I think I'll go now. No, don't, please. You mustn't do that. It's wicked. 
Besides, I'd miss you. You like me, don't you? I want another cigarette. Will you get me one? Of course I will. You'll be a love and stay there now, won't you? All right, but don't be long. I'm getting tired. Of course you are. Come in. Nora will take care of you. Might even give you a kiss if you're good. Get me a cigarette. Half a tick. What are you doing in here? Do you want him to jump? I'm Chief Inspector Black of Scotland Yard. You think that's going to make any difference to him? Can you get him to come in? Oh, I've been trying for three hours. I don't think I can stand it much longer. Well, we're trying to get a net down. Oh, don't do it. Hmm? If he sees it, he'll jump. I know he will. Has he told you why? Poor beggar must be balmy. Says he killed a man and he can't go home. Oh? Did he mention a name? No. Please give me a fag for him and get out of here. If he Nora. sees you... He's right outside the window. Don't move. Coming, Doc. Who is that? You told me there was no one in the room. You lied to me. I didn't. Honest. I had to get a cigarette for you, didn't I? Well, this gentleman was kind enough to oblige. I don't believe you. He's a policeman. I'm going to jump. No. Oh, no, Mr. Jarrett, no. Well, you're a nice one. Look what you've done. You made a cry. You ought to be ashamed. Why don't you come in and apologize? You don't have to speak to me like that. I'm not mad. I know what I'm doing. Who are you? I'm from Scotland Yard. My name is Black. Black. Have you got a cigarette, Black? Yeah. What's this about killing a man? Nothing to do with you. Bring me the cigarette. That's close enough. Stop now. What was his name? Doesn't make any difference. Light it for me. All right. What now? I'm going back along the ledge. Put the cigarette on the sill. I'll count five. If you're at the window before I'm finished counting, I'll jump. Very well. One. Two. Three. Four. Here it is. I don't want it. My stomach hurts. Well, come in and I'll get you a doctor. It hurts. I want another glass of water. Give me another glass of water. Yeah. Give me your hand. I can't. I can't. Wait. Hold on. I'm coming out. I can't. Hold on. I His body was removed, and except for the name under which he had registered, there was absolutely no identification either upon his person or in his room. And so the next morning at Scotland Yard, the meticulous process of establishing identity got underway. And the answer came sooner than he'd expected. At 11 o'clock, Sergeant Muffet, who had been waiting for the report, came into my office. Well, Muffet? I've got the report, sir. Ah, good. Who was he? Not Ralph Jarrick, sir. Oh? According to the fingerprints, he was Edward Tilton. Criminal records office? No, sir. War office. Oh? Yeah, let's have a look. He's dead, right. sir. Oh, really, Muffin? No, sir. I mean, he, he's dead. He's been dead for six years. Oh, he can't be. No, no, they, they, they must have made a mistake. That's what I thought, sir. But it's the same man killed in action July 1944. Destroyer in the Mediterranean. HMS Plover. 
HMS Plover. Be glowing. Yes, here it is. Body not recovered. Did you notice that, Moffat? I know, sir. But I don't imagine many of them were. She was hit by two torpedoes. Magazine went up. Not much left. Except Mr. Ralph Jaddock or Edward Tilton. Now, there can't be any doubt of it. Yeah, let me see. Survived by brother Richard Tilton, wife Amanda Tilton, and father Cedric Tilton. Hmm. Is it down, sir? Uh, where is that? Just south of Falmouth, Moffat, near the oh, coast. Lizard right. house? Huh. Well, what about that killing, sir? You mean the one this poor devil said he did? I don't know. There's something quite odd about it, Moffat. Lizard house. <laughs> Rather grim sounding place, Moffat. I think we better have a run down there. Right, sir. The name Lizard is given to a peninsula whose tip constitutes the southernmost point of England. Our destination, Lizard House on the Downs, was an extraordinarily hideous structure which seemed to fit quite naturally into its unattractive, fog-laden setting. And it seemed to Moffat at me, when we met them at first, that the Tiltons themselves had absorbed the dull unpleasantness of the place. at the front door, Richard. The police, sir. Police? Should have used the back door. Only sorry, Mr. Tilton. I'll know better next time. You're new here. You'll learn. What do you want? Constable? Chief Inspector Black, sir, of Scotland Yard. This is Sergeant Muffin. I'm not interested in who you are. What do you want? Concerns your son. Richard? Nonsense. No. Edward, Mr. Tilton. Edward? I think there's been a mistake. I'm afraid not. Your son died last night in London. Oh, then you've got the wrong man. My brother was killed during the war. Uh, so the war office record stated. However, they were in error. But we received an official wire. Oh, no, you're wrong. It's absolutely impossible. Please understand that this is a most unpleasant duty. Unpleasant, Balderdash. The whole thing is public off. But were it not, you people revel in situations like this. You love it. Father, that's unfair. I refuse to entertain these blue-nosed plumbguffs in my house. I work in my room. I'm sorry, Inspector. Sergeant. All right, sir. We're used to it. My father makes it a point to loathe authority. Oh. If what you tell us is true, and I can't really believe that it is, how did he die? He fell from the seventh story of his hotel. Suicide? Edward? Well, if this is true, I hope we can keep this from my wife, Amanda. She used to be married to Edward. Oh, really, sir? We waited for three years after the war. There was always the hope that... Yes, 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 I understand. Now, Mr. Tilton, I wonder if you would be kind enough to accompany us back to London. We need positive identification, and I imagine that you want the body returned here. <laughs> I know you're wrong about all this. It's ridiculous. But I suppose you can force me to go with you. Not at all, sir. We thought that you'd want to. Tomorrow morning would be satisfactory. No, I'd rather go immediately. Uh, again, Inspector, it's better if Amanda knows nothing about this. She's... Not at all well. It'll only take a moment, sir. It's all right, Inspector. I can look. You 
Identify this man as your brother, Edward Tilton. Edward. Yes, it's Edward. Edward. Where has he been all these years? Why didn't he let us know? Why? Come along, sir. Why did he do it? What possible reason? We're not sure, Mr. Tilton. He spoke of a killing. You talked to him? Yeah, for a minute or two, yes. I tried to stop him. A killing? Yes, yes. We've assumed that such was his motive for deciding to take his own life. He, uh, he did kill a man ten years ago. Go on. It was in Lizard. Edward fought with one of the villagers, an older man. They were in a tavern. Edward was drunk. Father came in and saw the whole thing. He testified in court that it was self-defense. The magistrate was a friend of father's, and Edward got off scot-free. He was guilty? He was drunk, and he beat the man to death. Well, that clears up the killing, then. Things were never the same between Amanda and him after that. He knew it, too. It must have preyed on his mind. Inspector, I'll see you for a minute. Yes, Mother. Sit down, Mr. Tilton. I shan't be a second. right, sir, about the way he died. Poison? A lot of it. Dr. Bishop is sending you a full report. But here's a strange thing, sir. According to the analysis, the poison would have killed him within an hour. But he was on the ledge for four hours. Which means, Moffat, that poison was administered while he was out there. And following that, Edward Tilton was not a suicide. Edward Tilton was murdered. <laughs> To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste, and the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Helpful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. Now, the second act of Pursuit of the Man Who Couldn't Go Home. The pathologist's report was on my desk when Moffat and I returned to the office. As I read it, I could see, once again, the man on the ledge, beginning to double in pain. I could hear him asking for another glass of water. I remembered his desperate hand clutching for mine in an effort to save himself. No. No, no, he couldn't have done it, Muffet. But he could have taken the poison, sir, so that if he lost his... No, nerve, no, 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 he didn't want to die. He tried to save himself. Now, you know, he was given water while he was out there. You know who gave it to him. That chambermaid, sir? Right you are. Miss Nora Wales. Oh, is, is the brother settled? Yes, sir. I suggested that you wished him to remain in London. He'd be staying with a friend in North Kensington. Splendid. Come along. Miss Wales. Yes, sir? 
It's the inspector, isn't it? Yes, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Well, I, I suppose it'll be all right. Mr. Babcock doesn't like us to talk about things that go on in the hotel. Well, I've already spoken to him. Oh, well, in that case... Mr. Wells, you were with Mr. Tilton during the time he was outside on the ledge. Mr. Tilton? Oh, yes, yes, of course. He was registered as Jarrett, but his real name was Tilton. I see. Yes, sir, I was with him. You gave him some water? He was thirsty, sir. Yes, yes. And you drew the water from the tap in his room? No, sir, there wasn't a glass in there. Oh? I ran next door and got it from the gentleman in there. Mr. Tilton was in room 711, and the occupant of 713 was... A Mr. Smith, sir. Smith? Make a note of that, will you, Muffin? I've got it, sir. I'd like to talk to Mr. Smith. Oh, sir, I've cleared up his room. He, he left the hotel last night. I see. Miss Wales. Yes, sir? Did you see Mr. Smith put anything into the glass of water? No, sir. All right. What do you do with the rubbish in the waste paper baskets when you clean the rooms? It's burnt, sir. Immediately? Yes, sir. Can you give me a, a description of Mr. Smith? Well, uh, he was quite tall, about your height, I'd say, sir. Black hair, medium weight, sharpish face. Would you recognize him if you saw him? Oh, yes, sir. All right, that will be all for the present. Thanks very much. Not at all, sir. Come out in the hall, Muffet. Miss Wales wants to get back to work. Well, sir? Smith, Muffet. <laughs> a convenient name if one wished to remain anonymous. Yes, sir. And she could have been describing Mr. Richard Tilton. It had occurred to me at the time, sir. Yes, exactly. Well, I hope that Mr. Smith was more original than to use the first name of John. Mr. Smith, as it turned out on the hotel register, was not original. The name was John Smith, and the address was in Huddersfield. We put out an alarm and awaited developments. The next morning at the yard, I found a rather surprising visitor in my office. Well, sir, good morning. Cursed place. Smells of the law. Where's my son? Richard, with a friend in North Kensington. He's notified me. Well, I don't think he wanted to worry you. Nonsense. Wasted. The body was Edward's, wasn't it? Yes. I knew it would be. How did you know? Because I spoke to him in Lizardtown a week ago. Why didn't you tell me that before, sir? I didn't want to. There'd been enough unhappiness in my house as it was. Where had he been? Travelling. I suppose he had his own reasons not to let us know that he was still alive. He phoned me at Lizard. Wanted to come home. And what did you tell him, Mr. Tilton? I told him to stay away. We didn't want him there. And then? Said... The only reason he had returned was because of Amanda. He wanted her back. I told him it was too late that she'd married Richard. I told him to go away. He wanted nothing more to do with him. Go on, sir. That's all. I wouldn't see him. Mr. Tilton, your son was killed by a fall from the seventh-story window ledge of his hotel. Window ledge? Suicide. He killed himself. Well, can't be helped. I've forgotten about him. He wasn't my son anymore. I did the right thing to send him away. You didn't tell your daughter-in-law of your conversation? No, absolutely not. We'd already done enough to her. What do you mean, Mr. Tilton? Amanda is not well, Inspector. 
couldn't get over the shock of Edward's death at sea. She waited a long time until she married Richard. Too long. Are you saying that she was still in love with Edward even after she married Richard? The false memory she loved. Edward was never what she thought. I know. I was his father. Mr. Tilton, where was Richard the night Edward died? In Falmouth, visiting Amanda. I beg your pardon. Amanda is in a sanatorium and has been for two years. Are you sure that is where he was? Yes. He sees her every Saturday. Edward did not commit suicide, Mr. Tilton. He was poisoned. We're looking for a murderer. the tall and grim-looking old man who had tried so hard to remain stern and unforgiving broke down. I left him alone in the office to regain his composure. We put through a trunk call to the sanatorium at Falmouth and learned that as Richard Tilton was such a regular visitor there, he was no longer required to sign the register. We should have to wait until the nurse on duty could be contacted. It was then ten o'clock. At exactly a quarter past two, I received a phone call from King's Cross Station. They were holding a man in the station master's office. It was Mr. John Smith. Now, now, what's all this? Mr. Smith, you resided at the Queen's Hotel in room 713 two days ago. Of course I did. I missed my train. Now, what's all this about? You know that a man fell to his death from the room next to yours on that night? Do I know? He asked me. I was watching him. Of course I know. I saw him fall. You drew a glass of water for him at the request of the chambermaid. I did. That glass of water contained poison, Mr. Smith, and was responsible for the victim's death. Poison? Me? Murder? I didn't even know this Jarrett chap. Ah, but you know his name. Of course I do. I read it in the papers. I was there, wasn't I? I saw him fall. You had never seen him before then? No, never. <sighs> Why did you leave the hotel immediately after the death, Mr. Smith? Well, what would you have done, I ask you? Could you sleep in a room? What was next to a man who killed himself, I ask you? You moved and went to another hotel? Yes, the Winchester. Very well. I want a written statement from you concerning these facts, and until further notice, I shall require your presence in London. You can't do that. I'm a salesman. I'm supposed to be in Hull tomorrow. I've already missed my train. I ask you, what am I going to tell the boss? I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. I haven't the remotest idea. You may go now. All right, all right, all right. What do you think, sir? Well, we'll keep an eye on him. Have to catch him with the goods anyway. Well, I suppose that takes care of Richard Tilton, sir. The fact that there is a John Smith who was in that hotel room. No, not entirely. Richard still has the strongest motive. The wife? He might have learned that Edward was still alive. Well, even so, sir. Why murder a man who's about to commit suicide? Ah, that's a question that's troubled me too, Mother. <laughs> sanatorium at Falmouth phoned soon afterwards and established beyond any doubt that Richard Tilton had been there at the time of his brother's death. Now he had to search for another motive, possibly that of revenge. A phone call brought Cedric Tilton to Scotland Yard. Mr. Tilton, Richard mentioned that there was a man in Lizard who had been killed in a fight with your son. That's just one of the things that Edward did, which I want to forget. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I must ask you these questions. Richard was of the opinion that Edward was guilty and should have been prosecuted. 
It's true. It's my fault that he wasn't. I testified for self-defense. It was not self-defense. It was murder. But if you are intimating that at this late date I took the law into my own hands and did away with my son, you're mistaken. You realize, sir, that you will have to answer to the charge of perjury. Worthless perjury. Worthless we have reason to believe that the killing must have preyed on Edward's mind. Uh, what was the name of the victim? Wales. Wales? Mr. Tilton? Yes. His name was David Wales. That's Wales. Nora. Oh, hello, Inspector. Miss Wales, why did you poison Edward Tilton? Because I was afraid he wouldn't jump. You knew that he was the man who killed your father, didn't you? Yes, I knew. I knew the minute I saw him. When was that? The afternoon he came here. Did you plan to kill him then? Oh, no, I, I was never going to kill him until that night. I'd finished dusting, and I saw him go into his room. I was done for the day, and I wanted to go in and tell him that I knew who he was, that I hadn't forgotten what he'd done. Did you face him? No. When I went in, he was already out on the ledge. I saw him there. What did you do? I went over to the window and just watched. Then he saw me. He didn't know me, but he wanted to talk. You said that you wanted him to jump. I did. But I wanted him to think about it first. About everything that made him unhappy enough to do it. He talked about his wife and where he'd been all these years and how his father wouldn't let him come home. Did you try to make him come in? Oh, no. Only when somebody was in the room. Otherwise, I just listened. Then I began to think that he wouldn't jump at all. So when he asked for a glass of water, I knew what to do. I got some cockroach powder from the store cupboard, and I put it in the glass of water I got from Mr. Smith. You see, there wasn't a glass in Mr. Tilton's room. I have to put you under arrest, Nora. Oh, that's all right. I know you do. But it isn't as if I'd murdered him, is it? He wanted to jump, and I just helped him. That's all. There, in the corridor of a London hotel, we heard the simple statement of guilt from a little chambermaid with no fear or hatred in her eyes. There was only a smile of final triumph. Pursuit. And the pursuit is ended. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some healthful, refreshing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. 
To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Pursuit, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis and written by Gil Dowd and Anthony Ellis. Music was composed and conducted by Marlon Skiles. John Daner stars as Inspector Peter Black with Raymond Lawrence as Sergeant Moffat. Also featured in the cast were Eileen Erskine, Harold Hughes, Jack Edwards, Byron Kane, Herb Butterfield, and William Johnstone. Pursuit! The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoy tonight's story of Pursuit and that you're enjoying Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. We invite you to join us next week at this same time when Pursuit will bring you another dramatic story of the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, relentlessly hunting down those whose disordered passions breed violence and murder. Another story of man hunting man when we bring you Pursuit. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is WBBM-FM, Chicago. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment... Pursuit! Pursuit. A criminal strikes and fades quickly back into the shadows of his own dark world. And then the man from Scotland Yard, the famous Inspector Peter Black, and the dangerous, relentless pursuit. When man hunts man. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Now, with John Dana starred as the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, Wrigley's Spearmint Gum brings you tonight's story, Pursuit of the Masked Five. Moffat, 
What's an eleven-letter word for a person who writes obituaries? I don't know, sir. Necra... Necra something. Mm. Oh, well. Would you like to see the paper? Oh, thanks very much. Um, I say, Inspector. Yes? Could I have the manacle on my right hand? This one's getting awfully tired. Yes, of course. Yeah, that, that's better. Oh, it's stiff. Uh, rub it and get the circulation back. Look here. If you simply must keep me in irons, can't I have them on both hands? Must I be shackled to the seat? I'm afraid so, sir. Would you mind moving down now? All right. Perhaps you'd rather sit on this side with your back to the engine? No, thanks. It makes me deathly ill. No? Your hand, please. Um, uh, what time do we arrive in London? Tomorrow morning, 5.20. Frightful hour. How do you expect me to get any sleep with these things on? Just have to do the best you can, sir. We had good reason to have this man shackled to the seat in our compartment. We were confident that he was one of five men who had carried out one of the boldest and most lucrative robberies in the history of London. 500,000 pounds from Barton's Bank, Oxford Street. This had taken place two weeks ago, and the entire resources of Scotland Yard had been unable to uncover the slightest trace of clue or criminal. Until an alert shopkeeper in Carlisle, some 300 miles to the northwest, identified the serial number of one of the missing five-pound notes and held the passer of the bill until the police arrived. He refused to identify himself or state how he came into possession of the money. Moffat and I felt that this evidence was sufficient to warrant the return of our nameless prisoner to London and Scotland Yard. Another station, sir? I thought this was a through train. It is, Moffat. There shouldn't be any halts between Carlisle and Preston. That's queer. We're slowing down, sir. From the sound of that whistle, there may be something on the lines. Pop your head out and have a look. Right, sir. Excuse me. Quite all right. No station, that's certain, sir. There seem to be some lights up there. Probably something on the crossover. Uh, Let's go outside. See? Those lights, sir. Yes. Uh, conductor. Yes, sir? What's up? Sorry, sir. A lorry is stalled on the crossover. Won't be a moment. Uh, better stay aboard, sir. Right you are. Come on, Muffin. I wish you'd close that blinking door. It's cold. I'm sorry, sir. Just a moment. Uh, what? Don't close the door. He's got a gun, sir. Yes, sir. No. <laughs> Hello, chum. What? No names. Uh, Come on, we've got a car waiting. Oh, I can't. They've got these bloody things on me. You get them off quick. I'm afraid not. What do you look like under your mask? Stay where you are. Give me the key. No fear. If you want it, you'll have to shoot. Shoot him, mother. Shut up, blaster. For the last time, give me the key. Sorry. Give me the gun. I'll make him up. No, there's no time. Come on, shoot them off. The link. Here. There's no time for that either. It's your fault. We told you not to go to Carlisle. But you can't let them take me. I know. Sorry. No! 
Oh, Roger! Muffet, no. stop him! Oh. Pull the emergency cord, Muffet. I'm going after him. I was not as fortunate as the man who had dropped from the train before me. I lost my balance and was a few seconds regaining my feet. I ran back down the railway lines. There was a shadow racing about 50 feet in front of me. A shadow that halted the hedgerow and then disappeared. Let's go! Right! Come on, come on, move! Oh, blast! Inspector! Here, Muffet! You all right, sir? Why, Muffet? Why is it that we can't carry guns and they can? Oh, I don't know, sir. Tradition, I suppose. You all right, sir? There were no lights on her. I couldn't see the registration. Looked and sounded like a Vauxhall, though. You better do something about your forehead, sir. It's bleeding. Uh, oh, later, later, Muffet. What about the prisoner? Is he dead? Uh, like a doornail, sir. I find that neither amusing nor analogous, Muffet. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Come along. And have a look at that ruddy lorry. It was a ramshackle 1926 Overland, bearing no registration at all. It had obviously been driven onto the lines and abandoned. Headlamps switched on for the express purpose of halting our train. We returned to our carriage for the luggage, removed the manacles from our dead prisoner, and instructed the conductor to seal the compartment until the arrival of yard men in London. Then Moffat and I climbed into the cab of the old lorry and gingerly set out for the nearest village, which was Ambleside, about 18 miles away. I drove one of these things to Devonshire once on a lark. It was new then, but it didn't sound any better than this. <laughs> this road doesn't help, sir. You know, Moffat, this whole thing was very nicely planned. And carried out. Uh-huh. I'd say so, sir. In spite of the fact that it failed. Or did it fail? I don't follow you, sir. Why didn't he blow the manacles of our prisoner with his gun? He'd have had to turn away from us and do it, sir. And why didn't he shoot us first? Not much time, sir. The train was moving. Uh, no, I don't think so. At that range, shot, you're finished. Shot, I'm done. Two or three seconds. Oh, no, he would have had time. Perhaps they wanted to kill him. They might have been taking him from the train to kill him, you know. The one called Roger, sir. He said they told him not to go to Carlisle. Yes. There are two points there. One, we know we're looking for a man named Roger. Number two, what we hoped would happen after the robbery may well have happened. There was already dissension among the quintet. Thus, one eliminated I'd say that was pretty important, sir. Right you are. Now, another thing. We took our prisoner aboard the train half an hour before departure. They must have seen us enter the compartment. Between that time and the halting of the train, they accomplished quite a lot. Yes, sir. Came here from Carlisle, got this lorry. They knew where the train would stop. They knew where the road would parallel the lines. Now, they knew a great deal, Muffin. They must have been pretty familiar with these parts, sir. You think the Barton robbery could have been done by Carlisle people and not Londoners? No, not, not necessarily Carlisle. Remember, the Vauxhall drove off in this direction, toward Ambleside. They've got a good start, sir. And we're not doing much better than 20. Hello. What's that on the road ahead? Looks like a man, sir. Staggering all over the place. Yeah, he's awfully drunk or badly hurt, I'd say. 
I'm dead. She's uh, an angel in a bowler hat. Yeah. Oh. Give him a hand, Moffat. Come along, oh. sir. We'll drive you to the village and the doctor. Oh, busted my brains, they did. Who did, sir? It was... Uh... Oh, hi, Molly. I beg your pardon? She's my lorry. You wouldn't be the beggars that bashed my brains in. Only you was wearing masks before. Masks? How many were there? Uh, you ought to know. Uh, no, 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 you ain't going to hit me again. Uh, we're policemen from Scotland Yard in London. That don't give you no right to kill a man and steal his molly. Uh, we want to help you, sir. We're the police. Oh. Oh, I'm saved. I'm uh, these saved. men that attacked you, uh, how many were they? Hundreds of them. Uh, hundreds. Yes, yes. Uh, did they have a car? I, I, a huge black thing it were. Could it have been a Vauxhall? Ah, it might. Ah, did you notice a registration? Nay, nay, they, they ran me off the road and dragged me out and then killed me on the head. From which direction did they come? Oh, Ambleside it was. Those are the ones, sir. Have you seen the car again, say, in the past quarter of an hour? Oh, nay, nay, but I, I just woke up. I see. Would you direct us to the chief constable of the district, Mr... Uh, uh, Gullion, uh... Jeremy Gullion, and I'll direct you. Mr. Bashford lives in Ambleside. Very well, now, get in, sir. We'll get you to a doctor. Oh, no, no. Get away from that wheel. Jeremy Gullion allows nobody to drive Molly but himself. She be, sir. Chief Constable's uh, house. Uh, thank you, Mr. Gullion. We'll want to see you again later. Uh, you can find me. Everyone knows where I live. Sir. Yes, I see it. Hot, sir. She's been on a fast run. She's big, too. Black. And it's a Vauxhall. But what's it doing in front of the chief constable's house? To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste. And the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. Now, the second act of Pursuit of the Masked Five. Our pursuit had led us to Ambleside, in the heart of the Lake District in mountainous Westmoreland. It had also led us into an extremely delicate situation. We were almost certain that the Vauxhall car used by the escaping criminals was the one now standing in front of the chief constable's house. It was my uncomfortable duty to question him as a possible suspect. 
a task which could be most difficult as the authority of the district lay in Mr. Bashford's hands and not in mine. Yes? Chief Constable Bashford? Yes? I'm Chief Inspector Black of Scotland Yard. This is Sergeant Muffin. Oh, uh, won't you come in? Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, Scotland Yard? Hmm. Well? Sergeant Muffet and I were taking a prisoner to London from Carlisle. Oh, really? Well, uh, do sit down. Mm-hmm. Our train was stopped and our prisoner killed by a man who then drove off with two or three others. Killed your prisoner? Really? We believe that they are the men who robbed Barton's bank two weeks ago. No. Mr. Bashford, I'm afraid I must ask you a rather impertinent question. Impertinent? The box hall outside. Is it yours? Well, yes, of course it is. Have you driven it tonight? No. I'm sorry, sir, but it has been driven. What? What do you mean? Within the past half hour, sir. Rot, sir. It's absolute blasted. But, but, brother, sir. But... Radiator and bonnet are still hot, sir. Dead, sir. You calling me a liar? No, 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 sir. I don't doubt your word, but somebody has driven it. Oh, we'll see about this. Peppery old goat, isn't he, sir? Unless he wants us to think he is. Quiet, quiet, Muffin. Who the devil has been driving my car? That's what we want to find out, sir. By gad, somebody's going to pay for this. Well, it was here when I came home. When was that? Oh, five, uh, uh, ten minutes ago. I was playing dominoes with old uh, Petalfree. Mr. Petalfree can corroborate that? Dash it all, sir. You questioning the veracity of my statement? I've been with him since eight o'clock. Do you leave the keys in your car when it's outside, sir? Of course I do. Nobody steals cars in Ambleside. I see. I Joe, this is serious. This is juicy serious. It is, sir. And I'm sure that with your assistance, we can get to the bottom of it. There's no doubt that your car was used by the men we're after. Uh, tell me, sir, have there been any strangers in the town recently? Well, of course, there are always strangers here. Tourists, don't you know? They come to throw refuse in Windermere Lake. Uh, what do these men look like? We don't know, sir. They've been seen only masked. I would say that they are comparatively young, although one seemed older than the rest. Mr. Bashford assured me of his full support and immediately retired to bed, graciously allowing me the use of his telephone. Muffet obtained a map, and we drew a rough circle around our present location, then notified the police of Carlisle, Penrith, Windermere, Barrow, and Whitehaven. The cordon began to form. With luck, our quarry would find no road open to them. But there were the Cumbrian Mountains, the fells and waters of the Lake District, and these we should have to cover inch by inch. The next morning, Moffat and I contacted by phone every village and hamlet within a 20-mile radius and explained to each local constable the problem at hand. We warned them that the men we sought were dangerous. Then there was nothing to do but wait. At 11 o'clock, our patience was rewarded. Chief Inspector Black. Yes? Oh. Where did you say? Uh, pencil muffin. Here you are, sir. Thanks. Yes? Green up edge, huh? Yeah. Right. About six miles, huh? Good. Thank you, Constable. We'll be right over. Yes? Goodbye. Got something, sir? I think so. Constable at Green up edge says four men rented a cottage near there about two weeks ago. 
He thinks they might fit the general physical description we have. Oh, it's worth a try, sir. Yeah, but we'll need pistols. Chief Constable might be able to supply us, sir. Uh, he might, if he's still in his office. Yeah, I get the feeling that Mr. Bashford is more of a gentleman of leisure than Chief Constable. Two Bobby makes you sign for the pistol, sir. You're on, Muffet. I'll stare him down. Come in. Ah, oh, Inspector. Any luck? Any luck? Hmm? Possibly, sir. We've received word from Greenup Edge. Four suspects staying there. Well, well, we must write them down, Aesop. Nothing like this has happened in Ambleside, and by Jeffrey, sir, we write them down. Sergeant Muffet and I are unarmed. Uh, do you have any firearms? Well, of course. Always for an emergency. Webley, sir. A fine weapon. Reminds me of the old days in Afghanistan. Uh, tribesmen. Wild devils. Cut your heart out for one of these. Yes, I'm sure of it, sir. Thanks very much. Not at all. I wish I could go with you. My gout, you know. Oh, yes, yes. I understand, sir. Well, keep in touch with me. All the best. And, uh, by the way, before you go, would you sign for these pistols, please? Yes, of course. Oh, uh, sir, before I forget, you needn't worry about your statement last night. My... I beg your pardon? You said that you had been playing dominoes with Mr. Petalfree and that you had not been driving your car? But of course I did. And Mr. Petalfree and two other neighbors attested to that fact this morning, sir. Therefore, you will be pleased to know that... You are no longer a suspect. But dash it all, sir. When was I? When was I? Precautions, sir. Precautions. You, as an old soldier, will appreciate that. Good morning. Uh, Inspector, the, the, the pistols you didn't sign There's for. No us. time now, sir. They'll be returned in good order. Two shillings, please, Muffet. <laughs> yes, sir. But you tell me there are only four men here, Constable. That's all I've seen about, sir. But there were five a week or more ago. One we picked up in Carlisle, sir? It might be. There's the cottage, Inspector. Hmm? Oh. You know, I thought it was odd. Those four walking trip in the mountains, they said. But they never walked. They just stayed in the cottage. You'd better stay here, Constable. The men are armed. Uh, if you say so, sir. Wait a moment. See something, sir? It may have been the curtain at the open window. If these are our people, they chose a good place. Pretty isolated. Wild country, sir. Yeah. The fifth man should have stayed here. He might be alive. Careful now. Come on. Well... That's the end of the trees. Stay here and cover me, will you? Right, sir.
Moffat! Well, that's another one, Moffat. Nasty, sir. Yes. You recognize him? Grim without the mask, sir. I'd say it was the chap on the train, Roger. Mm-hmm. Shot him in the head while he was asleep. I, I don't think asleep. Look here. Tray by the bed with untouched food. Mm. Medicine. Huh. The man was ill. But why kill him, sir? He might have... Wait a moment. This is Atterbrin. Ah... Here's your answer, Muffet. Malaria. Malaria, sir? Right. He was probably delirious. That's why they killed him. He couldn't go with them, obviously. They didn't want to leave him behind to talk. You think they went afoot, sir? Yeah, looks like it. Here, you see this and this? Hairbrushes, clothes. Oh, no, Muffet. They took nothing extraneous. Only half a million pounds, eh, sir? Yes, now, the next thing to find out is which way they went. I left the constable on guard at the cottage, and Moffat and I returned to Greenup Edge. From there, the manhunt began. We felt reasonably sure that they had gone on foot, and when we went back to the cottage again, our hunters confirmed this. A pack of hounds from Helvellyn had been brought to the scene and immediately took up the scent, leading us into the strange and almost fictitious grandeur of the lakes and mountains of Cumberland. Take a walk again. I'll, I'll kill him. It's slippery here, Moffat. Careful. Yes. Uh, dogs sound excited, Moffat. Oh, wouldn't like to have them after me, sir. Oh, there. There's the constable on that crag. What is it, constable? He must be close, then. They're trying to travel faster. Which way? We went on, stumbling and fighting our way up the grim crags and slopes of Gavel Fell. For the fugitives weighted down by their plunder, it must have been sheer torture. Forty-five minutes later, against the dead, grey face of rock near the barren peak, we saw three men struggling slowly upward, helpless and invulnerable. There was no crevice nor shrub to shield them from their pursuers. And except for what they may have had in their pockets, they carried nothing in their hands but their lives. You men, come down. We have 
they get to the top, sir, we're going to have trouble. The dogs can't get across that face. We'll have to bring them down again and take them round to the other side to pick up the trail. We'll lose the daylight. Very well. Moffat, hand me the rifle. Yes, sir. Thanks. There's a cartridge already in the chamber, sir. Right. I saw three puffs of dust explode above the head of each man. And then I saw them stop, hesitate, and begin the slow descent to where we waited at the foot of Gabble Fell. Pursuit. And the pursuit is ended. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some healthful, refreshing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Pursuit, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis and written by Gil Dowd and Anthony Ellis. Music was composed and conducted by Marlon Skiles. John Daner stars as Inspector Peter Black with Raymond Lawrence as Sergeant Moffat. Also featured in the cast were Ben Wright, Parley Bear, Dan O'Herlihy, Ramsey Hill, and Tudor Owen. Pursuit. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of pursuit and that you're enjoying Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. We invite you to join us next week at this same time when Pursuit will bring you another dramatic story of the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, relentlessly hunting down those whose disordered passions breed violence and murder. Another story of man hunting man when we bring you Pursuit. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.